At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome on to the 2022 Hollinger and Duncan NBA Playoff Extravaganza. Going to take a little bit of a different approach to this, go through some of the categories that we are anticipating here, some of the matchups we really want to look at, take a little bit of a different lens than just go through series by series and preview each series, although we will, of course, get to our picks by the end. So let us begin here, John, with the first round. What is the most interesting series to you and why? I have a couple of candidates, actually. I'm interested. I'm genuinely interested in probably at least four of these series. But the number one has to be Brooklyn-Boston just because, A, Boston was so awesome the second half of the season, and B, Brooklyn built this super team that has not been super, but you look and they're dangerous as hell with Durant and Kyrie like a plus 13 scoring margin with the two of them on the court together. And you saw during these last several games how good they can be, at least in moments when they put shooting around them and almost don't even worry about defense and just say, you can't stop us, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely fascinating. And how much the loss of Robert Williams is going to hurt Boston in this series will be fascinating as well. I have another one that I thought is the most interesting personally. Okay. Okay, uh, but I, we'll we'll get to that. I talk a little bit more about this Boston Brooklyn series first. It's just how good can KD and Kyrie be against this great defense? It seems like that's where the end of the court where it's all going to matter, right? It seems like Boston should be able to beat them up. It just seems to me like Boston just physically has too much. They're going to be too overwhelming. They do a lot of things that can cause. Brooklyn problems they have a lot of guys to put on KD they've got a lot of guys to put on Kyrie and then Jason Tatum historically has destroyed Brooklyn and I don't know what the answer is I mean Bruce Brown is probably not going to cut it and then you just set a screen and it's somebody else that they don't want guarding Jason Tatum like Kyrie or Seth Curry also Seth Curry looking like he can't even move out there might be a big problem and I think ultimately this one it kind of seems like a straightforward series strategically to me because the Nets are just like, all right, it's KD and Kyrie and let's see if they can score. And <laughs> then uh, they can't stop Boston on the other end. I, and I don't know. Do you do you see that way? Are there any like big strategic questions that really stand out to you in this series? Can the Nets really play this small as they like to finish games against Boston? I don't think they can. I Like you're going to so, play so Kyrie. So what, what's the lineup? Kyrie, yeah, Curry, Ky- Mills, Brown, Durant. Like you that, think gonna, that to they'll, me, they'll, they'll just, finish with KD at center. I mean, they've they've done that. Um, 
They've they've played stretches with they've definitely played stretches with the three small guards at the same time, right? Or having Dragic yeah. in there. Um, you're right. They may go with Claxton at five and KD at four. I I just think almost no matter. Of all the ways they really prefer to line up, they all seem too small to me to play against Boston. And then they're asking so much of KD and Kyrie. Like, I'm wondering if this ends up being one of those series that plays out a little bit like, remember in the bubble where Portland won game one against the Lakers and Houston won, was it game one or game two? But they were just so dependent on their leading men and the Defense just slowly suffocated those guys, and they basically ran out of gas as the series went on. I could easily see something like that that happening, where Brooklyn wins wins game one, and everyone's like, oh shit, Brooklyn, here we go. And then Boston just, the vice grip just keeps turning. And as they get later in the series, I think it's every other day, the last five games, like, I, I just... I, I just don't know that they have enough gas to go just full Kyrie and KD 42 minutes a game for two weeks straight against this defense. Yeah, and you say this defense. And to me, I probably would have picked this Boston in five if Robert Williams were healthy. And I'm not sure, though, with Tice, can he stay on the floor against these guys? Do they have enough athleticism? They're Peyton Pritchard, they're probably not going to be able to play him. Grant Williams is a good switch defender against a lot of guys, but he's got kind of short arms and his ability to contest jumpers in the mid-range is not that great. So I think Kyrie and KD can cook him. And so could Boston potentially start to run out of guys a little bit? And does this turn into a shootout offensive series? Would be a little bit of a concern. Obviously, I share the same concerns that you have with the Nets and just how they're going to stop these guys. And I thought that the, the game that they played... The most recent game they played in Boston was instructive, but they had Robert Williams for that, right? And I just, I'm not sure that Boston has like quite the level of just dominating athleticism against the Nets to just cruise in this series necessarily uh, as easily as KD and Kyrie could potentially get worn down. Because let's not forget, those guys have been playing 40 minutes a game, 42 minutes a game for like the past three weeks. Just to get to this point. Exactly. Yeah. Although they did have plenty of rest, both of them before that. But not like renowned Ironmen, either of them. No, that's true. So I think what I ultimately came down to, though, is I don't think Brooklyn can blow out Boston in games in the series. And I do think Boston can blow them out. Like Brooklyn can't blow anyone out. They can't. They can't have nice things. Anytime they get a lead, they're going to blow it somehow. And every game's <laughs> going to be hard for them. Yeah. Whereas they're, I think they're going to be games, particularly at home, where Boston is just going to overwhelm these guys and run them out of the gym. And they'll kind of be like, all right, I guess it's just time to play the next game. Um, my most interesting series, though, is Sixers-Raptors. Yeah. Good candidate there. Good candidate. Lots that one of, to me. Lots yeah, to yeah, unpack there, especially if Philadelphia loses. Oh, yeah. And what that would mean for them i have actually picked the toronto raptors to win this series in six games i have also picked the toronto raptors to win this series in six games yeah and very 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 trendy pick but i i so i wonder if i'm overreacting to this i was at the game in philly where toronto beat them and just switched everything and just like james hart just couldn't create an advantage against these guys um and so they they're all smaller than Embiid, right? But they're they're going to bring doubles on Embiid, and they're long enough and problematic enough. And Philly's secondary scorers are 
unthreatening enough most of the time. I mean, Maxi can go off, I guess. Uh, that I, I just think that's a workable strategy against them. Yeah, they're just to me. Philly has more talent in theory, at least on the top end. And Bede is easily the best player in the series, without a doubt. But you throw in the following factors: Embiid has never really had a great playoff series. Harden, uh, we know about his playoff struggles. Yes. Tobias Harris, not the clutchest of playoff performers, and also a guy who's just, he likes to get a matchup. He's not really going to have a matchup to attack in this series. Doc Rivers, his playoff struggles have been well documented. And so you throw that in, and then you throw in that Toronto, and you might say, well, okay, Toronto's half-court offense is not that intimidating, right? Like, But the offensive boards, where Philly really struggles, Toronto is bad on their defensive boards. Philly doesn't get any offensive rebounds. Yeah. And Philly is a terrible transition defense and Toronto is awesome in transition. And so you throw all of those things in and then you like, I mean, was Philly even really any better statistically than Toronto? No, that was the other thing. If you, if you, if you looked at the regular season profile, no, they weren't. Yeah. And so, and also just Nick nurse to me is a much better coach. This is going to be a series where doc rivers is going to have to like do stuff and not just dance with who brung you throughout the series. And that's going to be a problem to me as well. I think they're just, and yeah. you can also see if things go poorly. Now, the one thing that make gave me pause about picking this was you could see Philly maybe winning the first two games at home, squeaking them out just due to home court, and then Toronto would be into difficulty. And but but I just don't think Philly has the personnel to really stop Toronto in the half court. They just don't have the toughness or athleticism, and Doc Rivers just doesn't have any buttons to push, even if he knew which ones to push. So. I'm going to lose my mind if DeAndre Jordan gets all the backup center minutes in this series. No, no. Don't, don't you know this? That actually, it's obvious. They play Paul Reed when the other team is small, and they play DeAndre when they're big. That's what they've been doing all year, John. Right. Did, so did see, they'll play. Did you see that exchange? Yes. And so that would imply that Paul Reed would play this entire series since Toronto has nobody bigger than 6'9", 220 who ever plays. Yeah. But they all. Derek Bonner was like, well, hey, if you're – Shouldn't you have maybe like seen what he had in Paul Reed at some point during the preceding 82 games? And Doc like answered him like he was an idiot for suggesting yes. that Paul Reed has ever not been the guy they go to against small ball teams at backup center. He's, he's played two the last two games, like the only games he's played all year. Yes, yes. I remember after college, before I was going to move on to the next chapter of my life, my buddy and I went to Hilton Head, South Carolina to work some summer jobs and hang out. We had a great time, except for his car. His car was awful. We called it the POS. It was like a 91 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. We're allowed to talk about Oldsmobile now that it's a defunct brand, right? Is that okay? This thing had the turning radius of a World War I battleship, broke down all the time, just a, a miserable vehicle to drive. And when customers are rushing to your store, you want a point of sale system that you can trust, not a real POS like my buddy's car. You need Shopify for retail. It makes it easy to accept payments, manage orders, and build relationships with customers. You can sell in person, backed by everything that you need to sell online, track every sale across your business in one place, know exactly what's in stock, connect with customers in line and online. You can drive in-person store traffic with plug-and-play tools for marketing campaigns on social media. 
Get great hardware that fits your business, accept credit cards, mobile payments, every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support you every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PER. All lowercase, easy to remember slash PER because John invented PER. Go to shopify.com slash PER to take your retail business to the next level. Today, that's shopify.com slash per least interesting series and i it's funny i have this template from when we first did this two years ago and what i had written down was least interesting series non-brooklyn orlando division because <laughs> that was that was the bubble. a special but, level of uninteresting that series yeah was. but i'll say this i mean i think the least interesting series this year and we don't know obviously as we record this on thursday what the one eights are going to be yet but i think any of the matchups there are actually relatively interesting yep depending on on personnel i don't think there is a series that's just a complete snooze but if you had to pick one what would it be chicago milwaukee i mean the 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 bulls haven't beaten milwaukee since like 2017 yeah i'm at least interested to see this bulls team though and some of the guys on the team i want to see what if DeRozan can really be a force we've never seen zach levine in the playoffs before so the, the patrick williams like they're at least patrick williams must like, look look good the last couple weeks i am interested to see him i agree with that yeah yeah in the game where the bulls won against minnesota to tie minnesota for their pick and just cost themselves a draft pick playing io de 45 minutes to cost themselves a draft pick in the last game of the season that game he looked patrick wow. williams did look pretty good in that one i uh yeah i that's good. I didn't. Fo- I didn't follow that. That they tied Minnesota because of that. That's why. Yeah. I mean, they might still get the pick in the coin. Flip, yeah, in the coin were, flip. Yeah. 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 Minnesota had forty six wins. The Bulls had forty five. So the Bulls won to tie them. I think it's like the eighteenth pick or something like that. Either eighteenth or nineteenth pick at stake. In any event, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I don't. The Bulls aren't going to win that series, but I'm at least still interested to learn something about some of these guys on the Bulls and what they could do going forward because they have had times where they've looked better if they can get Lonzo back next year and see whether DeRozan is going to be able to just continue this monster year against a great playoff defense that's locked in on it like there there are interesting questions to me although I did in fact pick a buck sweep in that one wow I at least gave the Bulls a game even Danny picked the Bucks as a sweep he never picks a, a sweep Wow. Uh, because he likes wow. he likes to actually win our competition instead of being a reactionary <laughs> and being pissed off that these teams that suck are in the playoffs and uh, getting angry and picking a sweep <laughs> like I do. Nice. Um I agree with you though. That's the least interesting. And I would even I would consider that less interesting probably than any of the possible 1-8 matchups as well. Would you agree? Phoenix Clippers kind of puts me to sleep cuz we've seen the movie before and we know how it ends. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That'll be that'll be interesting. I'm. I guess there's always the possibility of a a Kawhi return. That would be the one thing, right? That would that would be a yeah. game changer. And, and I think I, I think the Clippers. I, I'm glad that it turned out Minnesota, Memphis, and Clippers Suns. If in fact that's what happens, it, I still think New Orleans has, has a decent chance in that game. They, I mean, they got a really good chance. I think of winning that game. Um, and Cleveland, if Jared Allen can't play, then that series will suck. Like they're drawing dead against. Miami, that'll probably he be may but actually. Jared Allen can play, so it might be interesting. Did you? Uh, he may. It's. I saw something. He may try to play tomorrow against the Hawks, which would be a 
a game changer. Yeah, if Jared Allen plays against Miami, that series gets interesting. If he doesn't play, if Cleveland wins and Jared Allen does not play against Miami, that series is probably Dullesville. Um, I actually think Atlanta-Miami is at least interesting enough. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. Okay, next question here. The individual playoff player matchup that you are most interested in seeing. We can throw a few candidates out here. What's the first one that comes to mind for you? I'll go Homer and say, uh, well, actually, no, I can't even go Homer. It's Draymond Green against Nikola Jokic. Come on. That's the yep. best offensive yep. player against yep. the best defensive player. Um, and it's interesting. We saw, I mean, we had this same kind of thing when Jokic went against Gobert, and that was really cool to watch that series. Um, and Jokic, I thought, kind of gained the advantages that that series went on. So I'm really interested to see good Draymond's going to play him completely different than Gobert played him, obviously. And what what Jokic's counters are, what Draymond's counters are, kind of that that chess game. Draymond, I believe he missed every meeting against Denver this season, right? That's correct. Yeah, you got to go back to two years ago to see film on that. So this this is like new turf in a lot of ways. This th- That I am super excited for. Yep, that was my number one as well that's going to be and opinions are different i've thought that green has generally defended Jokic pretty well adam Barras says he thinks Jokic can post up green and kind of abuse him the other thing that's going to be fascinating too is obviously draymond will have some amount of help but depending on how the warriors choose to align if they go with steph pool and clay that could be a ridiculous offensive group but it's also not the same level of defense that they've had in the past. And so that's going to put a lot of pressure on green potentially. And I think Steve Kerr is going to have a lot of things to work out for a group that just hasn't been together at all. Uh, The second one that I had is Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum. Now I don't think Kevin Durant is going to spend a lot of time guarding Jason Tatum in their last matchup. Tatum did spend the most time of any Celtic guarding KD. And I'm sure they'll throw numerous bodies at him and they'll do a lot of switching. I Also, what I thought was interesting is, you know, the Celtic who spent the second most amount of time guarding KD in the last game that they played? Marcus Smart? Robert Williams. Oh, just yeah. now this is the NBA's matchup data in terms of just yeah. timing. Like yeah. it's a little, it yeah. could be a little flawed there, but they were okay switching Robert Williams onto KD at times. And I don't think they're going to be willing to do that much with Al Horford. It worked, And also, it works better to put Robert Williams out there on him when you've got Al Horford behind him still and vice versa. When it's Tice, that gets a little dicey. Gets a little Ticey. Um But yeah, I mean, that's you know, those are two just awesome guys. Tatum has always killed the Nets, as we talked about. Any other ones that really came to mind for you? Uh, what about Trey Young versus Bam Adebayo? That was on my list as well. Okay, all right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's post-switch, right? But the, yeah. Miami's going to give up the switch, and how how does how does Atlanta attack that? It was interesting. In the fourth quarter of the game they played the final week, they were just doing guard-guard pick-and-rolls and not even trying to involve Bam. They were just trying to get yeah. Tyler Hero onto, onto Trey, and then Miami was bringing a double from the perimeter to – try to influence the ball out of Trey hands, Trey's hands. So there's all kinds of cat and mouse directions this thing goes. Um, the other one that I was going to say in the beginning when I said, let me go Homer here, Carl Anthony Towns against Jaron Jackson Jr. I don't know how much we're going to see it. I don't know if it's going to end up being Jaron just fouls him too much. So Memphis has to go away from that. But I'm super interested to see that possibility and how that might play out. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. I think... 
Towns will have the advantage one-on-one against Jackson. Now you throw in some of the Grizzlies' help defenders, and that changes because Towns could be kind of turnover prone. Also, Carl Anthony Towns, could he like ever go left? Right? It's Oh my goodness. Just, that I mean to see that was like jarring to see that in person the other night. <laughs> yeah, they wild. had him totally scouted out that every time he puts the ball on the floor, he's got to go right or spin back right. He eventually went to one left-handed hook shot that he missed. He got all these he got those charges trying to go right. It, it was pretty ugly. But I think just backing down in the post against Jaron, I think he could be effective uh, unless they bring some help. In those situations then i really hope this happens this luca injury just sucks so badly yes yeah. uh, well so and actually i wanted to get your thoughts on this the utah or i'm sorry the dallas versus san antonio game was a little bit ahead of the golden state new orleans game on the final day of the season i think the game started late in new orleans or some kind of a delay or whatever so it was probably by the time Golden State went up by 29 points, three minutes into the third quarter, there was probably maybe six minutes left in the third quarter of Dallas-San Antonio. And so it was clear at that point that the game was meaningless for Dallas. And I would say there was maybe 10 minutes in real time between that point and the point at which Luka Doncic injured himself. And his, uh, my prediction is we're not going to see him until game four of that series. Yeah. Is anyone culpable there? Is it realistic? Because I tweeted it right then. I was like, hey, Dallas should get their guys out of the game because this this uh, Golden State game is over. Is that's, that, but that's you know, a to react thing. that quickly, right? Is you, that realistic? You, you need to have your ducks in a row before the game starts. You need to say somebody's going to be in the video room monitoring this, and these are the decisions we're going to make, you know, if X, Y, then Z. Now, what they should have been on top of was New Orleans isn't playing certain players so there's a definite possibility that they just get their asses kicked and then we got to react and pull our guys off when that happens uh so and it's funny because they got the tech rescinded right so that he could play in that game in the first place yeah and and it was a game that dallas maybe could have won without him so that that was the that was the other angle i do think though from dallas's perspective trying to get to Memphis in the second round when they like this year they were Memphis's kryptonite. Uh I I think Memphis is super happy to see Dallas on the other side of the bracket. Yeah. So to me oh, yeah. it they was, absolutely should have tried to it win. It was that worth game, it but, to try yeah. to get to three. And it oh, wasn't yeah, because totally. of the difference it wasn't because of the difference between Utah and Denver. It was because they could get get to Memphis in the second round. I also think it's because of the difference between Utah and Denver. I think Utah versus this Denver team with no Murray and no Porter. Um, oh, that's actually another thing. I uh, so so yeah. I mean, I I'm not like killing them for not being able to do that. And also, it's like, hey, you're not going to play for a week, right? It's probably just good to get these guys some run. Um, it's just it was just incredibly unfortunate time. Like if it was yeah. me, yeah, I would have been on it because that's just how I think. Very few coaches would ever think that way. It's it's just, and it was also like, okay, probably like what. What would be reasonable to expect is, okay, we just play him through his normal stint here in the third, and then we see the score and we don't put him back in, right? To actually abrogate the stint that he was already in, that's probably asking too. Yeah, you know, coaches, I think coaches would all say, I don't want to interrupt his rhythm, I don't want to throw anything. Like, the reality of the situation, I think, is, is right. It's very hard to dunk on the Mavs over this. Yeah, and even um, then, uh, I think New Orleans got back within 11 at one point. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, that's the other thing. You, you don't want you don't want to do that and be like, oh wait, now we got to send it back in. So uh, there's there's one other matchup we need to talk about. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, I was hoping to see Luke and Gobert was where I was starting there. But yeah, go ahead. What's the the last one? The shit talking Super Bowl between Dylan Brooks and Patrick Beverly. <laughs> yep, that's that's a good one. And yeah, that'll be who gets more technicals. And who mm-hmm. gets disqualified for more games? Because I think we got to throw fouling out as a possibility here, also. Yes. In that yeah. uh, between those guys, like those are the two fouliest guards in the NBA. It's probably not even <laughs> exactly. close. Exactly. And then you also throw in technicals and like altercations between the two of them. Yeah, it's going to be very over enjoyable. under a hundred k in fine money in this series between those two players. Yeah, I'm annoyed that players get. Fine, like Patrick, but we're finding players for swearing in interviews now. Come on, what's crazy? It was Chris Finch's press conference that he was swearing in. He was yelling out "Coach of the effing year" while Finch, while Finch's press conference was going on. One more I wanted to talk about: Drew Holiday versus either Zach Levine or Demar Derozan. I think they should actually start with Drew on Levine and just see if Drew can completely erase Levine. I think he's got more value added on Levine than on Derozan. And then maybe down the end when they try to go to Rosen, that's when you switch Drew on him. I would go Wes Matthews probably on DeMar to start. But I think that, that'll that be fascinating. I, I want to see whether those guys can score on Drew Holiday in the playoffs. That'll be fascinating. And that takes me to our next category, which is the star player with the toughest matchup. And I think that is DeMar DeRozan. Between going against Holiday, Middleton, Matthews, Giannis, and Lopez behind him. I mean, Milwaukee wasn't that good on defense this year, but... You look at that starting five and trying to play DeRozan's style of game against that, ooh, that's uh, that's tricky. No, I, th- I think you're right. And he can get into the mid-range. He does not rely on it getting all the way to the rim necessarily. So maybe he will. Be. He's had good games against Drew before. So maybe he can have a couple where he just wills the Bulls to victory. But yes, that is certainly a very tough matchup. And Dan Feldman always does this every year where he adjusts teams' net ratings based solely on lineups in which their projected playoff rotation played. Okay. And the Bucks, you said their defense wasn't that good. When you only limit it to their projected playoff rotation, their defensive rating goes right back to where it's been the last couple of years. It was like a 103 or something really awesome. Who else has a tough matchup as for a star player? Uh, can we talk about Trey Young going against Kyle Lowry and uh, uh, Bam Adebayo, basically? I actually think that Trey Young could cook Ty- Kyle Lowry. Um, now they're going to switch, so it doesn't really matter, right? I actually think their best option, because Kyle, he's 36, right? Like, and he's kind of built like yeah. a tank. He and Chris Paul, they're valuable because they can switch and be tough off ball. I think they're too slow a foot to stay in front of someone like Trey Young in an ISO. And then Trey, there's a, the Heat are always going to have a Hero or a Robinson on the floor. And yes, that they that's attack. that's that's Atlanta's attack point without any question. Should should they be Cleveland? I should say. Yeah, um, I think Katie and Kyrie have a pretty tough matchup. There there aren't many teams that have the firepower on the perimeter defensively that Boston has. It, to Marcus put Smart an elite probably, to put an elite defender on both of them at the same time, and then you have a third one waiting in the wings too with Jalen Brown. If you got Tatum and Smart on Kyrie and KD. You've also got Brown in the mix as well. Yeah, yeah. That's super, super challenging for them. Harden? Harden's going to have a hard time in this series, I think. Yeah. 
That's a really good one. Um, he, he might even be number one more than any of these guys. They, they're, they're, who on this team, because Toronto is going to do a lot of switching, presumably, who on this team can he beat in this? He's, where you're really comfortable with that? Uh, Trent, maybe? Maybe. I, I'll be interested to see that. I'll be interested to see how he looks against Thaddeus Young. There's a few guys I would have a question mark on. He's got no chance against Achua, I would say. No chance against Ananobi. Van Vliet will be interesting just because he's a little smaller. Harden just can kind of use his body to create space against those small I think, guys. See, I think against, yeah, against him, he's probably going more for the step back than the drive. But right. he like Fred isn't going to interrupt his shot. But part of the thing with Harden, right, is that... You just don't fear that step back the way you did two or three years ago. No, it's really, it's weird. You wouldn't think that that is something that he would become less feared as he got older. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Star player with the easiest matchup. I got one to start here. If uh, yeah, yeah, go for it. it. Stephen Curry. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's some low-hanging fruit there, I guess. Right. I mean, you've got the, the Nuggets don't really have a perimeter stopper. Maybe if they want to put Gordon on him, they could do that. that but then they're right? going to be very vulnerable elsewhere. Uh, like, who do they even put on him? Uh, I mean, probably Barton to start, I would guess. Um, and then, but Jokic obviously is, is going to struggle guarding Steph Curry in space. And then if they do, obviously, then they're putting two on the ball and the Warriors can can rip them up on the Draymond Green short roll stuff. So, yeah, I, I just don't see a way that the Denver Nuggets are going to be able to do it. The Nuggets don't have like a Dylan Brooks type who's going to just glue himself to Steph Curry and they, do, they can't switch. Uh, Steph Curry just kills any kind of conventional pick and roll defense. I know he's coming off the injury, but it looks like all indications are that he's going to play unless he has a setback in this scrimmage today. Quickly, though, if you're Steve Kerr, what the hell is your starting lineup? Yeah. Uh, I actually I, uh, I actually might try to start Draymond at the four, knowing that I'm going to get to him at the five and keep Poole coming off the bench. Yeah, I, I think I would do that, too. You don't want Draymond getting two fouls right at the start of the game guarding Jokic. They'll start with Looney on him for sure. But then the question is... Clay and Steph are going to start. So Poole or Wiggins? Oh, it's got to be Wiggins. I, I just think Pool is so Pool is yeah. natural at coming off the bench and it, it positionally like that just fits. Who's your backup guard for Golden State if you don't line up that way? Well, I don't think you need a backup guard. You can just you should be able to keep two of those three guys on the floor at, at basically all times. I think you make an early sub for sure. But Jordan Poole's been too good, and particularly with Steph trying to get his sea legs right at the beginning. Like you I mean, can take some pressure off of him. I would, and we, the net rating we, with those we, three guys on the floor. Can we talk incredible. about bringing Clay off the bench? Well, they're Is not going to sacrilegious. <laughs> I mean, Clay, Clay Thompson has thirty points in four of his last six games. He's looking pretty good too. This may uh, this may foreshadow some of our picks later on, but okay. I would just go with those three and mm-hmm. just see. And and then you've got Draymond and Looney out there too, because that's the other thing too. If you're going to have Draymond and Looney, I think you want to have a little bit more 
offense available and they can always get to some more defensive groups if they need because Jordan Poole also just generally has played way better as a starter than a backup he's the opposite of Tyler Hero to a guy to whom he's been compared a lot including by me lately Mm -hmm. that uh he will he does better as a starter Hero always seems to do better statistically as a backup for whatever reason any other star players with the easy matchup either Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum like who yeah who what what are the Nets doing to stop both of them? One of them is is going to have an extremely favorable matchup at the very least. Yeah. And then are you really going to use KD on one of those two guys? Maybe at the end of the game, but not throughout the, fourth, the game. Maybe, just, but yeah. you're going to try to, you know, go Bruce Brown, Kessler Edwards, kind of, you know, throw some junk at them. Kessler Edwards may show up in one of our later categories here. Okay. Um, yeah, so Tatum would be up there. He's he's just killed the nuts even in last year's playoffs he did i think carl anthony towns has a pretty good matchup against the memphis grizzlies i like him against steven adams we talked about that a little bit already yeah that's fair uh, yeah i think jimmy butler if they the heat play atlanta would have a oh my god matchup. yeah I, i'm sorry i forgot about that one yeah <laughs> the hawks have no wing defenders i mean it's it's kind of yeah. wild well and they, they've got hunter i guess but they I, is he even gonna spend that much time on Butler? Do you want to spend him on Butler? Butler's almost the four for them. I don't know. That's I, I, don't I think I think Hunter would be their first choice to guard Butler. I just in fourth quarters they're not. I don't know how much Hunter is even going to be out there. Um, I mean, I guess if you know if he has Montrez Harrell guarding him again, he could score a bunch of points. But yeah, but um, well, well, I guess probably what they would do is just play Hunter at the four down the end and. Ha- assuming that John Collins isn't, I don't. Great. I don't think we're going to see John Collins. I think Gallinari is a guy that Miami can play off the floor. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think you end up with if Hunter's playing those minutes, he's probably at the four. I mean, Bogdanovich has been their best wing. He has to play, even though he's not one of their starters when it gets down to crunch time. So it's just who is the guy? Who is the guy you're taking off? It's either Herder or Hunter or Gallo, basically. This is an interesting one. Okay. I struggled with this actually. The best okay. coaching matchup of the first round. The best coaching matchup of the first round. That is interesting. Monty Williams versus Ty Lu, maybe. Yeah. Although I, I did express some of my my reservations about Ty Lu earlier today and and uh, on some other pods that he does seem to go down o two in way too many series. Been down o two like seven times in his career. So well, I think be, he's going to get number nice eight. If, yeah, and he goes down 0-2 because they're not making adjustments that are kind of obvious at the time. Then he gets those adjustments in Game 3, and he keeps the team's spirit together. But I I do think Lou's getting a little overrated here as a coach. I, okay. I like Monty a lot better there. Um, the, so, no, I, the best matchup, actually, I think might be Taylor Jenkins and Chris Finch. That's going to be fascinating. I want to see what Taylor Jenkins is as a player coach. I, I think he yeah. does, or as a playoff coach. He's got a little Budenholzer in him. Yep. For for good and for ill. Yeah. yeah. He might play 13 guys in game one. Like, that's definitely on the table. Yeah. And I think Finch, I really liked how he was able to adjust in that game against the Clippers. So I think I actually would give Minnesota a little bit of a advantage there, just as far as the playoff coach. I, I think Taylor Jenkins has done a wonderful job, obviously, yeah. in the regular season. But these are two guys that we really haven't seen much in these environments. I mean, Memphis had the series last year, but they were completely overmatched. And so it's curiosity a, and then they, both these coaches have options to do different things with the rosters they have too. So that, that makes it interesting. 
Yes, absolutely. And Steve Nash and Ime Udoka to me is going to be interesting. I know I don't feel like the Nets have that many buttons to push necessarily, although you did note the the lineup aspect of it. Yeah. But I think those guys are both pretty good coaches. Good. I think those are both good young coaches, even though Nash has provided over this such a shit show or presided over such a shit show. Uh, best, or I'm sorry, biggest coach, coaching mismatch. Boy, that's a hard choice, huh? In a playoff series? Huh. Hang on, let me think about this one. <laughs> Uh, I get, I'm going to say Nick Nurse, Doc Rivers. I, I just, Doc to be somewhat unfairly takes a bunch of shit. I actually think he like, he is a good coach in some ways, like in, in the regular season. And in some whenever of the he has he does, an undermanned team, whenever his team is undermanned, he always gets a lot out of. Yeah. Uh, but I, him going against nurses. Yeah. That's, that would be the one for me. The other one I could throw in there would be Spo versus either of the two choices. McMillan well, or yeah, JB I mean, McMillan is not not renowned for playoff adjustments, and Bickerstaff would be coaching yeah. his first playoff series that his team actually wanted to participate in. Yeah, and the early returns of what he did in that Brooklyn game just not quite the sense of urgency. Evan Mobley only playing thirty five minutes in that game, despite not being in foul trouble, I thought was was not good. Um, and I, I I thought he did an okay job at least getting away from Okoro and Stevens who were killing them on the offensive end in that game. But yeah, I, I don't, he just doesn't necessarily have the experience. And we saw what happens when Spo goes up against McMillan two years ago when McMillan was coaching the Pacers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other one, you know, I would have said it before the season started as like my number one. And I don't know if I would say it anymore. Quinn Snyder versus Jason Kidd. Yeah. A kid just, without Luca might be drawing Ted. I mean, that's, and the next question yeah. I had was series with the most variables and obviously the Luca availability situation in that series is massive. Uh, Cause I mean, who knows? Utah has shown the ability to just kind of blow it sometimes, but even they can't lose a series to Dallas in which Luca doesn't play the first three or four games. Right. Yeah. That, that to me would be very difficult for them to pull off. And I yeah. actually like, I think even before that happened, they were getting some short shrift. Like if you look at their season and even if you looked at the last month of the season and the schedule they played and the results they ended up with and not getting fixated on, well, they had this big lead, which like, okay, but how many teams go up 20 on Phoenix at any point? Um, they're actually pretty good. They worked some stuff out with that second group to get a little more size and athletes than maybe they've had in the past with that. Um they, to me, are still pretty interesting as we come into this. Yeah, I, I saw a Pelton tweet about Isla Hernan Gomez. <laughs> being, uh, per, perhaps being being uh, uh, some some vegetation sprouting here in the in the spring. There, I, we'll see about that. But yeah, I, I completely agree. I even if Luca were healthy, I would have seriously considered picking the Jazz in that series. I haven't done my preview on that yet until we because okay. we didn't know about Luca. So I usually I'll like really dive into it as Danny and I talk about it. So I don't I don't necessarily have a pick on that yet, but I think Utah would have been a very good threat to win that series. Um yeah, I mean they they're a really good offense and I'm not sure that Utah or that Dallas would have a way to stop them necessarily. Um the the other rotation, series yeah. that yeah, has some variables, I would say is Denver Golden State. Just as long as that possibility is hanging out there, a Murray coming back, uh, as long as we don't know for sure that Steph is playing, uh, 
I, I think there's the, those possibilities. And then both teams have this sort of assortment of half good players that they file through at the end of the bench that can provide some variability from night to night. Yeah, that's I think that's reasonable because of the stuff thing. What did you make of Tim Connolly's comments, basically that it's up to Jamal whether he plays or not? I think at at the end of the day, that's probably accurate. Um, oh, of course it's accurate. I, I mean, technically, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I just don't know what else he's going to say. I guess he could have, I mean, he, in some ways you could say he's throwing it too much on the player publicly by saying that, um, as opposed to, well, we just, you know, we really need to talk with our trainers and they're going to make, you know, and just sort of obfuscated that way is, would be the other option. Yeah, I think that that was to me of just, like you're making him kind of sound like a wuss for not coming back by saying that, and maybe, yeah. maybe it's true that yeah he has medically been cleared, uh, but you know I, I mean have we heard reports of him playing five on five in practice or anything? You know we haven't heard any of that stuff necessarily. He did get assigned down to the G League briefly, but no, there's just no benefit from saying that publicly. Just say, I mean, unless you're trying to encourage him to come back, which frankly I wouldn't be. At this point, he's not going to win them a championship this year if he comes back with no MPJ and just trying to get his sea legs after a year. So yeah. I I hope he's not trying to push him to come back. But why say that? Why not just say, yeah, you know, just say he's not ready yet or, uh, you know, it's difficult to come back after an ACL or we have we're just uh, there's a few you could just say there's a few hurdles he needs to clear still. Whatever it is, don't be like. Oh yeah, but, but we cleared him to come back, but he's just deciding not to. Like, well, yeah. what is that? <laughs> Spoke a little too frankly. Yeah, I, I think so. So, all right, how about this? Rotation okay. players who are most likely to have their roles cut in this round. Well, we can roll I mean, through this rapid fire. We we know the type, right? I mean, yeah. Stephen Adams, Jonas Valanciunas, uh, you know, Le- <laughs> Lamarcus Aldridge. <laughs> Tristan Thompson. I mean, I, I don't. Oh, I don't uh, I'm sorry. No, 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 yeah. no. I left the name out. DeAndre Jordan, please, please. Yes, he he was on my list. Daniel Tice is on my list. Yeah, it's the the guys who can't guard and the guys who can't shoot. Those are the ones who are most easily schemed at in a playoff series. And one of the big things that separates the teams that go deep in the playoffs from the ones who don't are: Do you have enough guys who you can take off the floor that are like that and still field a team, or are you just forced to play Nikola Vucevic at center because you don't have anyone else, which the Bulls are, right? So, yes. so yeah, I, we can do some of the categories here. There's the centers, Tice, DeAndre Jordan. He might not even start in the rotation, frankly. Uh, I think uh, DeMarcus Cousins is going to have some problems in that Warriors series. Oh, they'll go with the two greens, I, I have to think, uh, especially yeah. after... Especially after game one <laughs> exposes them. Yeah. Oh, what about... Uh, I think... Could Denver stop playing Austin Rivers, by the way? They might need him defensively. He might be their best defensive option on Steph. Yeah, because they didn't sign Devon Reed off his two-way. Oh, they didn't sign him? He's no. he's not even eligible? No. No, no, no. They converted him, didn't they? Or did no. they just sign him to a two-way off the hardship? Yep. They did not convert him. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess I'll have to take him off my list of players who... Might emerge into a rotation role then. <laughs> yeah, uh, but couldn't Vlat- couldn't Vlatko wave uh, Vlatko. Or anyone? <laughs> yeah, yeah, couldn't wave him. Th- th- that Too wasn't going to work. 
he's, well, he's, he's Jokic's buddy, I guess. It is, they got to hold on to his restricted rights for this, this offseason. If they waived him, they wouldn't have those. Um, here's a few other ones. So Jackson Hayes, okay. if they make it, he will not survive the series starting at the four. I think JaVale McGee is someone who may have his role reduced a little bit, uh, maybe later on, maybe not in their first run series. I don't know if this will happen against the Bulls, but if I were Chicago, I would run every single pick and roll with DeMar DeRozan at Grayson Allen whenever yes. he is on the floor. Yeah. Um, Peyton Pritchard is can't guard any of the guys on Brooklyn in an isolation. They'll have to be very judicious about when they play him. Markeith Morris, I think uh, he and Victor Oladipo are not going to play too much for Miami. So the guy I was going to say was actually Duncan Robinson. That's interesting, yeah, because he's not starting I think anymore. Miami's going to play Struess. They're going to play Struess ahead of him. And then if Oladipo emerges, I think he's going to take a lot of what minutes are let, what non-hero minutes there are off that bench might go to him or they might go to Vincent for defense. Like, I think there's a chance of him really getting squeezed. That is possible. Matisse Seibel, obviously he's not going to play in the three games <laughs> in Toronto. If there are three games in Toronto... <laughs> Yeah, but uh, then also in in the <laughs> yeah, so he's already going to have his role reduced uh, by uh, was it forty one percent? But yeah, uh, t- but Kyle that, Anderson would be another one. Yep, he was on, he was on my list too. But Thibel, I think he even could have his role reduced. Like I could see him getting the Keith Bogans in the Philly games too, just because Toronto will be ready to just not guard him at all. What do you think about Jared Vanderbilt? You think they're gonna, is he going to be able to survive? I think. So it seemed like Torian Prince had a one-game injury against the Clippers, uh, but I think they're going to end up needing to play Torian Prince more and more as that series goes on, and Vanderbilt is going to get pushed out, especially there's not an individual matchup that they need him for in that Memphis series either. Now, the one thing that could save him to me is they are an atrocious rebounding team without him and memphis is an amazing offensive rebounding team and they might just be getting so destroyed on the glass because they're gonna have to trap jaw with carl anthony towns right i don't see they can't let jaw go downhill against carl towns like that's that'll be a disaster so i think they're gonna have to go back to the more aggressive defense and then they'll be vulnerable on the glass they'll need vanderbilt on the back line uh, against those four on threes to have any chance i think unless maybe he's unless tap yeah Unless Towns can play Adams off the floor, then, then you can get away with not playing Vanderbilt probably more. Oh, yeah, in terms of the offensive glass. Yeah. Um, I got another one for you. Okay. Royce O'Neal. Yeah. Kind of quietly not the stopper he had been in previous seasons. And, and uh, also he's see... just had some, some shooting struggles. Yeah, and has had a tendency in other playoff series to stop pulling the trigger at all. I think House could very easily cut into his minutes in a big way. By the way, like Daniel House got like a heart transplant all of a sudden. Like he is like getting into guys for Utah. And like he actually, to me, we'll need to see him stress tested in the playoffs. But just watching him during the regular year, I, I thought he looked like he might be their best wing defender. That's certainly a possibility. I mean, maybe he has a casa on Isla Hernan Gomez. You see. <laughs> Casa is the Spanish word for house. You see. Oh, thank you. Yes. I. Oh, wow. I. I was. That one slipped past me. I'm. I'm sorry. That was pretty funny. I. I apologize for not laughing. I was. I was looking at the next thing on my sheet already. Um. But it's interesting because I think some teams 
almost are so shallow that they can't cut anybody out. Like Dallas can't cut anybody out of the rotation. I don't think Toronto really can. Philly, maybe Thibel, but that would be about it. And then they got to yeah. play Danny Green 40 minutes, which may not be too great either. Um, and next category I had is kind of the counter. Deep rotation players who could emerge. I will cut out Davon Reed. Daniel House is someone that I already had there uh, as okay. a possibility. Anybody else show up there for you? John Conchar. I think they're going to hmm. use him on Curry, and I think they're going to use him on Chris Paul. Oh, you're talking about later on? Yeah. Li- later on in the playoffs? Yeah, although they could, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe they'll use them on 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 Minnesota's guards too. Yeah, yeah, Russell or or Edwards. Um, I think in the Boston Brooklyn series, I think we might see more of Aaron Neesmith rather than Peyton Pritchard, just because he's got a little bit more size and he's not great defensively, but he doesn't quite have the same level of target. Yes, and I think the Nets are going to have to play Kessler Edwards, and he couldn't hit a shot in the Cleveland game and that hurt them as Cleveland got back in early in the second quarter but I think they're gonna have to see if he can find his sea legs so they just don't they need some modicum of athleticism on the wing to match up yeah I I would agree with that and I you know we didn't talk about guys getting their minutes cut but like Goran Dragic hasn't looked good the whole oh that was that's a good one yeah yeah I mean, what are his stats are atrocious. They are right really bad. For, yeah, and he's like thirty five years old. Like, I just just seems like maybe they're trying a little too hard with this one. No, I think you're right, and I know Nash got him to sign there rather than some other places that probably would have been really interested in having him. But and they feel obligated to play him. But yeah, I think particularly given the athleticism of Boston, I think he could struggle. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. The most important non-star player who will affect the outcome of a series most important non-star player who will affect the outcome of a series uh dylan brooks uh yeah i think he's he's a star isn't he he's probably he's averages like 20 points a game he averages 20 shots a game okay <laughs> uh we I mean, let's go let's go down further uh yeah i mean i'm trying to think of a series of, that'll be close one of to. the one of the four centers who comprise toronto's second unit yeah. <laughs> yeah really right um actually i was gonna go on the other side in that series i think danny green he just philly just so desperately needs his skill set yeah and there isn't really anyone i don't think on toronto toronto that's gonna like kill him with quickness necessarily it's kind of more i think the size and the toughness help defense a little bit more important and then just somebody who can make shots just be a body defensively and make shots he's the only guy on the team who can do that still. And I think Doc Rivers is going to run him out there for as many minutes as he can handle. And does his hamstring act up? And can he hit shots? And is he going to wear down? They desperately need him in that series. I don't know if he's up to the task at his age, but they need him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, because I see that as kind of the closest series, too. So I that's kind of... Do you have any of these series picked to go seven, by the way? I guess we'll find out in a second. Actually. So... I'm ahead of myself. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my fire. Okay. Uh, the best playoff defense will be. 
Uh, torn between Boston and Phoenix, and probably would go with Boston. I have actually five potential candidates for this. Ooh, okay. Phoenix is one of them. Boston is okay. one of them. Although I'm not sure I can go there with Boston with no Williams. If he comes back healthy, then yes. I think the Miami Heat have to be in that discussion. Yes. Although, they, I mean, there's always a target on the floor, too. Yeah. And they are a little small. But, I, I mean, I think you're probably right. The Golden State Warriors with Draymond Green on the floor this year have unbelievable numbers. There was when they started the season 29 and 6 with Green in the lineup, they yeah. were like 3 points per 100 better than anybody else in the league. I don't think they're going to play as many defensive groups due to the emergence of Poole and Clay coming back and him just not being any good on defense anymore, but they have groups that they can certainly get to. And the Milwaukee Bucks surely have to be part of this discussion also, right? I think we have to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that they certainly can be part of this discussion, yes. Yeah, to me, because, and they don't have P.J. Tucker anymore, and I think they need that against against Boston. I think they're going to really miss him. But you've still got, actually, getting Wes Matthews, by the way, off the scrap heap for them, he's actually, I think, really helped them. But they were one of the best playoff defenses of all time just a year ago. And they're, I think they're a little bit at a lower of a level. Drew, Brooke Lopez, both falling off a little bit to me. We'll see whether they can get back to that level. But you got to give them their respect. But, yeah, I think if I had to pick one, I probably would go, if Robert Williams was playing, I would go Celtic. And we think he'll be back at some point. Maybe not in the first round, but I think. We'll and and maybe not 100%, which is maybe yeah. the greater concern. Like, I'm starting to believe the, this idea of this four to six week timeline, but I also, it's very rare I've seen a guy come back in less than eight weeks from any kind of a meniscus surgery and be 100%. Yeah. Best playoff offense. This was actually a tough one. Especially because I just went down the stats for the off, yeah. like the best offenses in the league, and I was kind of like, "Hmm, I don't, right? I don't know if it's how well it's actually going to correlate here." But who who is your first thought? Brooklyn. Hmm. Yeah, Brooklyn is the number eight offense on the season, but uh, yeah, I mean the KD and Kyrie numbers together were pretty ridiculous. They're always going to have two non shooters on the floor, though. Almost always, they're going to have a center, and they're going to have Bruce Brown. Yes. Brown's shooting a little bit more, but he's still, I, I would still consider him a relative non-shooter. Like, he'll hit a corner three, but he's not going to hit above the break. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, Brooklyn's got to be in there. And the, the Utah Jazz, for most yeah, of this I, season, were an unbelievable offense. They, they got to be in this discussion. I was going to say them. You still worry about them a little bit. Like, in the playoffs, they're, what they do has tended to degenerate into a lot of Mitchell one-on-one. So you worry about that a little bit. But the last the last two years, the disappointing losses to the, the Clippers and then the year before to Denver were both of them just getting absolutely smoked on defense. If Luka Doncic were healthy, I actually would put the Mavs in this category with some of their, their line, because Luka is just that good. But I, I think even coming back from the calf, it's just going to be tough for him. Um, the Suns obviously have to be in this discussion as well. They were the number three offense during the regular year. They're, they are very difficult to stop. Interested to see against switching a great switching defense, which there's only one that they're potentially going to encounter in the West. So, and that's the Warriors. And I don't think the Warriors even are going to do much switching uh, this year anymore. So, I think the Suns, if they can go against a conventional pick and roll defense, they're completely unstoppable. And then I'm going to throw the Golden State Warriors in there too, despite their scrolls down, scrolls down, scrolls down, 17th ranked offense <laughs> in the regular season, just because of the the Curry minutes. Well, and not only that, I mean, if you're like the number, I started to allude to this earlier. 
Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson all on the floor together. It was just an astronomical net rating. I, if those three guys all have it going, and that's an if because Clay has been inconsistent and Poole is just now coming into his own and Steph is coming back from the injury and didn't have his usual season this year. But if you've got all three of those guys on the court, like if you, if you can't switch, and even then the Warriors have so much experience going against switching defenses and creating miscommunications, but if you can't switch, how are you supposed to stop those guys? Like you're just going to give up three pointers to them coming off the yeah. screens, either on or off the ball. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how. I mean, Curry should be able to have his minutes completely ramped up by the time the second round starts, and you would yeah. think they'd be able to beat Denver in the first round, regardless. Uh, Golden State to me, like they, there's going to be stretches where you look and the lineup is like Green, Toscano, Anderson, and Iguodala, right? And so I like I. I yeah, I know they can they can put a lineup out there that's that's really awesome offensively. I just don't know how much of the game that will actually happen. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I don't know if it'll be Toscano Anderson, but Peyton will be will definitely be or in the Looney or yeah, I mean, and Iguodala. Yeah, they yeah they don't have as many two way guys as they had in the past. That's definitely true. So there is going to have to be I think a choice mid there. Clay Clay Thompson not being the same as he was defensively is a huge blow. To what they want to do on defense but i think he's like getting pretty close to where he was offensively um okay who do you think will be the mvp of the first round paul reed <laughs> just based on the value over replacement compared to the <laughs> value over alternative how about that um mvp of the first round uh i mean Giannis is just gonna smoke the bulls right yeah, it's almost like that That series is going to be too easy and too over quickly. I'm going to go with Jason Tatum. Okay, okay. That's that's a good one. I think I like it that. Probably, if Luka were healthy, I probably would have picked him. But yeah, I think Giannis is probably going to have a pretty good <laughs> I think that's reasonable. Absolutely. Rookie of the first round. Scotty Barnes. I don't I don't think that's even a question. He's going to end up like switched on to Harden and doing stuff. They're going to use him to try, probably try to attack Tyrese Maxey. Like, I just don't know if there's another rookie who's going to be as significant as him. I guess you could argue for Herbert Jones if New Orleans wins. That might be the other one. Yeah, or Evan Mobley. Yes. If, if Cleveland makes it in. But yeah, if those teams don't make it, and I wouldn't favor either of those teams, much to my chagrin because I know you picked Cleveland to miss the playoffs and I picked Atlanta. So our this is yes. this is the one difference that's all on the line for us here. And also on the line because we eliminated New Orleans four months ago. So that's... <laughs> we'll, yeah, that we'll, uh, our picks will be rooting for the Clippers. Although I, I kind of wouldn't mind seeing them in that spot. Um, I, do, I will say this though. Of all the Toronto players... I think I would want to attack Barnes as James Harden. I think Barnes has not been very effective in isolation defense. There was a Dallas game where the Mavs kind of figured out that he was the guy to go after, and Luka torched him pretty badly as well. There was a Nets game where Barnes got a bunch of pub for making a couple of plays as a help defender against Kevin Durant, but in the first quarter of that game, KD cooked him one-on-one. He's actually not that great of an ISO defender right. yet. I was, I was watching... A lot of New Orleans recently in the last, and I was like, Herb Jones to me defensively is what people think that Scotty Barnes is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Herb's Herb's really good. Yeah. And not that Barnes is bad, but I think he, compared to Siakam or Ananobi, he would be the guy I would go after there. Who do you think will be the MVP? Well, let, let's actually let's do our picks first, and then we'll okay. do our, our MVP of the playoffs. Okay. All right. Give me uh, Bucks, Bulls. Bucks in five. I got Bucks in four. Okay. Net Celtics. Celtics in seven. 
I was on the borderline between six and seven, and I went with six. Toronto, Philly, we both had Toronto in six, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Miami versus Cleveland. I think either one is Miami and five. Seems reasonable. Phoenix versus Los or, uh, Orleans. Yeah, yeah, Los, Los Orleans. Or New Angeles. Uh, I'll go Phoenix and five either way. Uh, I might go Phoenix six if it's the Clippers. Otherwise, otherwise, I think I would go Phoenix sweep. Wow. Memphis, sweep Minnesota. Against, sweep against them. Um, yeah. I'm going to go Grizzlies in six. I got Grizz in five. Ugh, Dallas, Utah. Jazz in six. Yeah, I think that seems right. I, I don't see them winning game five in Dallas necessarily, but um, Golden State, Denver. Uh, I took Golden State. I can't remember how many games I did. I think it was six. I went five. All right, Eastern Conference, Miami versus Toronto for both of us. Which we both had. I have Miami in seven. I actually went back and forth on this one a little bit. Yeah, Toronto usually plays Miami tough. I'll go Miami in six, though. Okay. Best coaching matchup of the playoffs right there, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, Milwaukee, Boston. Oh, baby. Awesome, Oh, would you? We haven't talked since then. Would you have tried to lose that game as Milwaukee against Cleveland to avoid Brooklyn potentially as and in actuality as it would have turned out, uh, but also not have home court against Boston in the second round? Uh, I probably would have tried to win is how I felt. Yeah, I think I probably would have too. My Especially, feeling being, I mean, yeah. you have to allow for some probability that Brooklyn doesn't win that game and you just look like an asshole, right? Yeah, but yeah, that's to, true. To give up home court second round... Um, there were also some possibilities that could cost finals home court too, which I don't think people really thought about. Um, well, yeah, they would have been, there was a chance it could have caught golden state. Yeah. Although they didn't in the end, but they they couldn't have in the end anyway. I mean, I think David Thorpe said this, which might be part of it is just that they really, it wasn't really about avoiding Brooklyn so much as it was getting Chicago because that's just such an easy matchup. In a 3-6? I guess. But just if you're a defending champion, you're not thinking about how do we survive the first round. Like, that's just not your mentality is how do we give ourselves the best advantage against the best teams because we only think two or three other teams are good enough to beat us. Yeah, I concur. I think I probably would have tried to win it as well. But Brooklyn has played them pretty well. I understand the the fear of KD, the way he's played against them. Um, West second round, Phoenix versus Utah. Suns in five. I'll go six. I give Utah a little more respect. Okay. Golden State, Memphis. I took the Warriors in seven. I think this will be an awesome series. I agree it'll be an awesome series, but I'll go Golden State in six just because of the road team winning it at home aspect. West Finals, Phoenix, Golden State. Which we both have. We both have Phoenix, Golden State. Okay. I went Phoenix. I think I went six. I'm going to pick the Golden State Warriors in six games. And part of my thinking there is that if Golden State has made it this far and beaten Memphis, that they're at the top of their game. And I think they match up pretty well against Phoenix. They beat them two out of three when these teams were largely healthy. Even Golden yep. State didn't have their whole group. Um, and I do think Phoenix, as great as they are, they still need to play DeAndre Ayton. They're not really a switch team. And I think they were going to struggle to guard Golden State. Um, now, Golden State may struggle to guard them, too. I just I don't know about what this Golden State team is going to be with Steph, Clay, and Poole and whether they can defend with that group and how explosive they'll be offensively. But I think they also could take one of those guys off the floor if they had to. I, I think Golden State just has the highest ceiling to me on both ends, even more so maybe than Phoenix. But that that's going to be a Titanic series. I, I Obviously, I'm not thinking that Golden... Like, Phoenix is 
probably the smarter pick, especially due to the easier path to to make it out of, of the whole right. bracket. But if that matchup does occur, I would pick Golden State. Does that make sense? Huh. Yeah, conditional on Golden State reaching that point, you would then draw different inferences about the quality of their team. Yeah, and that's assuming health, obviously. Injuries would could very easily change that. Mm-hmm. Miami versus... Oh, did we do Boston? We didn't do Boston-Milwaukee. Sorry, in the East. We got distracted by me. Uh, I, I went with Boston because of the home court. I said Boston in seven. I got to go Milwaukee in six. Okay. I, I okay. think Giannis is just too good in the end. Hmm. Uh, although I do think that's the series where Milwaukee is going to miss PJ Tucker. They have, I mean, they have more warts than a year. Um, yeah, and, and if Brooke Lopez weren't back and looking at least decent, I probably would have picked. Bob. And also the Robert Williams thing too. I'm, I'm assuming yeah. that they're not going to get much out of Robert. Williams. It's mm-hmm. just going to be difficult for them. That could, that could, so, that could be. Miami versus Milwaukee. Man, I'm getting fired up for for the thought of some of these series. This I I really hope it turns out the way we're we're talking here. PJ Tucker Bowl. You see, I so I I would take Milwaukee if they get past Boston. I had Boston beating Miami in six. Hmm. Yeah, I'll I'm gonna go. I think Miami. They've addressed this in some ways, but Butler and Bam have just looked so shitty against Milwaukee that I, w- I would go Milwaukee in six. And so then the finals would be Golden State in Milwaukee for me and Phoenix and Boston for you. Yes. I have Phoenix beating Boston in seven games. Oh, man, God. This, these, any of these series would be amazing. I'm going to pick the Golden State Warriors to win the championship. And okay. I think that they they will have home court, and I think they will win it in seven games. Okay, okay. I think home home court is going to be pretty. And that, that's an interesting aspect here is that uh, Golden State would have home court against any team from the East. Yes, yes. As would that's Memphis, obviously. As would, I think that, as that's would a massive. Who... Yeah, that's a that's a massive boon to whoever comes out of the West. I, I don't see. I could have given Dallas a puncher's chance without this this Luka injury, but uh, that's yeah. that's the one massive bummer. There are going to be others, I'm sure. There always are. MVP of the playoffs, I think, will be Giannis Antetokounmpo. Okay, who would you so, go with? Because based on my pick, based on my pick, it's Devin Booker. Yeah, although Phoenix is not really an MVP type of team, it's, a, it's an ensemble, ensemble cast, right? Yeah. So, but I have them play in Boston, who is kind of that way too. So, yeah, I'd... rookie of the playoffs, really, Scotty Barnes is probably the only rookie playing significant amounts that's going to make it to the second round, and even he may. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see much of Kaminga. I don't think we're going to see much of Zaire Williams. Um, I'm trying to think who else is even a. a possibility to be on yeah. on the board I, for this. Ayo Desunmu is going to only have four games played. Sorry. <laughs> Bones Highland could could have some moments, potentially. Yes. Yes. If Denver were to somehow win that series, then he would be a contender for Rookie of the Playoff. Yeah. Coach of the Playoff. Really interested to see what Ime Udoka does in these playoffs. Really, if they make really it to the finals, it's got to be him for you, right? Or or Monty, right? But yeah, I would... Uh, even, I'm I'm just super interested. I'm actually really excited for a lot of these coach play, coach matchups, especially once we get to the second round. Like yeah. I think the second round this year has the potential to be absolutely awesome. Uh, just like four knockdown drag out series or, or three. I don't know three and a half with Phoenix, Utah, maybe. But man, I, I'm just really excited for it. I agree. I'll say this: and, it, yeah. I do think Toronto can make the conference finals, and if they do, you would almost certainly say Nick Nurse for this, right? I mean, even if they take Miami to six, I think you would you would feel that way. And hey, if Golden State actually wins it, 
And let's be clear here, by the way, I don't think that any team going in right now has a greater than 20% chance, I would say. I will disagree with you on that. Who do you think, Phoenix? Phoenix. Historically, teams teams with their win total and their margin over the rest of the, the they win the championship like half the time. Yeah, so, their net rating is not that great, though. Their I, like net you, rating isn't isn't as dominant, but it is still the best one in the league. Um, yeah, yeah. But, so but all these I, teams have shitty net ratings just because guys were injured or they didn't try. Like if you if you adjust, like as I I talked about this with uh, Dan Feldman's work, if you adjust for the healthy net ratings of players who are actually going to be available in the playoffs. Phoenix is like not even close to the. Well, let me see. I, I don't know if they're close, but Golden State, Milwaukee, and Boston are the three highest. Okay. And so I, I think that's. And so now, if you want to say, hey, Phoenix's incredible clutch play is going to carry over for sure, and that's that's where they're just going to beat guys down the end. That that being one of maybe the two greatest clutch teams of all time, them and the seventy-three win Warriors, who. We're a great clutch team in the playoffs too until game seven of the NBA finals that year. Yeah, right. <laughs> so if you want to say that that's durable and maybe with Chris Paul it is to some degree, I I wouldn't want to be relying on that though. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, they, they could just roll through everything and make us look like idiots. And you do make a good point, particularly with this Luke injury. Like Phoenix is going to be in the conference final unless they suffer yeah. some terrible health. Yeah. And so that's the only team to me that I feel very confident they'll be in the conference finals. So for me, I, I mean, I think even the way I picked it, the way we gamed it out doing individual series, I ended up with Golden State. But yeah, like you, if I had to pick the most likely champion, it is the Phoenix Suns just because of the easier path. Yeah. Man, I'm really excited after doing this, by the way. I hadn't said, and, and of course, I'm sure we'll me adjust. Me too, because yeah. I'm excited now because there are matchups that I hadn't thought about because it wasn't how I picked. That yeah. I'm like, oh, wait, we can get that? <laughs> and so now I'm even more excited. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And I, I can't wait for it. We'll be back on Wednesday, the normal time next week. Also, a reminder, you can catch us on Spotify Live every week at 3 Eastern, noon Pacific, give or take on whether John is traveling or not. And what did you write about for The Athletic this week before we go? So I I went to two play-in games this week, and I wrote about both of them. Uh, the scene from Target Center and where Minnesota stands now and kind of how, how they can maybe get to the next step. And then Charlotte's disappointing exit last night and what what the state of the union is for them at the moment and I have filed to the athletic and will not publish until first thing Friday morning my bonanza playoff preview where I pick every series and go into pretty deep detail on each uh and what I think well John I was gonna let you go here but I'm afraid that James Borrego is our coach and although we've said everything that we need to and the podcast is over we're just gonna have to stay on the line just with dead air for the next like 20 minutes or so are, are you okay with that and then then we'll then I'll turn off the recording was that what happened? <laughs> no, he just left his starters in at, at the end of the thirty point. Oh, game I'm sorry. Okay, for the whole, all right. Okay. The whole game, okay. yeah. He just yeah, that, was like, okay. like he's just making a making us stay here for uh, when the podcast is already <laughs> over, just to just to prove. I, I don't know that what was, he was trying to prove. That was, that was yeah, so weird. That, that was that was yeah. And, and Nate McMillan 
everyone was screaming at him, including you, to take his guys out. But they don't usually you don't usually take your starters out until the losing team takes out their starters and officially signals they've given up. And finally, it just got so egregious that they're like, all right, I mean, I guess if you want to leave your starters in, fine. I don't think even our backups can blow this, but. You wanna- no, but you know what was wild? They put Capella back in for Okongu after Okongu got his fifth foul. It was like, <laughs> what the hell are we doing here? Like- yeah, that's weird. I, 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 It was all very odd. And perhaps if James Borrego is no longer the coach. Well, I'm reminded of actually another weird situation like that in the 2016 playoffs, game five against the Stephless Warriors, Dwight Howard played 45 minutes in like a 30 point blowout knowing that he was leaving Houston I think he just wanted to like make a point of like I gave everything I could to Houston <laughs> before I left in free agency it's very odd all right well now that I've kept you here that long I will actually let you go and we will talk to everyone next week till then at Amica Insurance we know it's more than just a house it's your home the place that's filled with memories the early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.